I think once you establish yourself as a BDR, you can do like you can be a fantastic BDR. You can hit 100% or more of quota. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a great AE, but it does prepare you for some basic things like if you're going to continue to be prospecting, if you're going to be reaching out to the same personas as an AE, if you're like getting an understanding of the basics of the products and services that you sell, then that kind of prepares you for it. But then there's those other things that you still have to learn. Like you have to learn how to negotiate. You have to learn how to work with multiple stakeholders. You have to learn how to work with your internal team to get a deal done. Uh, you have to learn how to execute a demo and execute a, a discovery call. So there's a lot of things that you do as an AE that you don't do as a BDR, which is why I say it doesn't necessarily predict that you'll be a good agent. Welcome to Decision Point, a podcast about overcoming adversity in sales and the growth that we experience in the process. I'm Brad Siemens. Joining Brad on today's episode of Decision Point is Emmanuel Carpenter. Emmanuel is the author of the new book, Now That's How You Lead STR Teams. He's also previously published Brain Dump, 167 Tips and Tricks from a Six-Figure Sales Prospecting Legend. Emmanuel is currently the Director of Global Business Development and Experience Management for Momentive.ai. This will be part one of a two-part interview with Emmanuel. So I'll just go ahead and step aside and let you tell us kind of how you got to where you're at today. So my name is Emmanuel Carpenter. Uh, I've been in business development for over 17 years now. I would say that my career really started in the Air Force. I joined the Air Force after getting kicked out of Michigan State University. So I went to Michigan (laughs) State University for about a year and all I did was party. I drank and, and didn't go to class at all, doing talent shows and things like that. A year later, I found myself in the basement uh, on my mom's couch and working for, for in retail for a couple of years. I decided, you know, this is not what I wanted to do with my life. So I joined the Air Force. I spent five years in the Air Force, took advantage of the GI Bill for education and buying a home and all those things. Got great work experience. And then I, I delved into customer service for a little while. I was working for as a buyer at Office Max for a while. But as I was working those day jobs, I was going to school the night and weekends, and I finally got my degree in marketing management. And that's when I made that transition into sales. I started selling orthopedic shoes at for to uh, healthcare facilities. And then someone reached out to me about business development, telling me that I could make way more money just prospecting on behalf of brands like Amazon and Salesforce and not have to worry about closing deals. And so... I joined an outsourced business development firm and I was hooked. I was like, this is great. I don't have to worry about closing deals or a number over my head. And I stayed with that for 13 years. I was a BDR, outbound BDR for 13 years at various organizations. And then I made the leap into leadership. And so I've been in leadership for about five years, managing either BDRs directly or managing the managers of the BDR teams. Now, are you in, where, you, where do you live? So I live in Greater Atlanta, Georgia. In the okay, how'd you get? How'd you get? Because it looks like how'd you get from Ohio to Atlanta? Is it Frontline? Oh yeah, absolutely, it sure was. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Frontline made me an offer, and I decided to take that offer and make the move from Ohio to to Alpharetta. Yeah, and I've been here ever since. Okay, awesome, awesome. Yeah, no, I was as I was going through the LinkedIn profile, I'm like, you see, there's a, obviously a big change, right? Ohio, 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 and then bam, you show yeah. up on the map in in Atlanta. 
or Greater Atlanta, right? Yeah. You're right. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, well, the, the you know it appears that the the business development career has been really good to you, and you really figured out you know craft you know, you sort of found a, a strong niche in the space for yourself. So tell me a little bit about like you know why 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 the front end of the sales cycle? Why not the full? Because that's kind of your claim to fame, right? Yeah. The, the the top the top of the funnel. Yeah, absolutely. So I just found that I was really good at doing research, finding those people and creating interest within those organizations to have conversations. I delved a little bit into closing deals as I was working for tech firms and it just wasn't for me. I just, I didn't have that. You think it's a different personality type? Like, like the, is it a different personality? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think you, you just have to be on all the time. You have to be resilient you have to show that grit as a as an outbound BDR. Where in in sales, when you're actually closing deals, you have to be a better negotiator. Uh, you know, making sure that uh, you fully understand the entire cycle. You're working with various teams like legal and finance internally, and then you're talking to multiple stakeholders on the external side. And it's a lot different than being a BDR or managing a BDR team. So one of the things I want to talk about is making the tra- at some point here making the transition from being a business development rep to managing business development reps. And mm-hmm. when you think about the role, do you think about it as sales development, or do you think about business development, or do you think about it as interchangeable? Like so when we refer sales to sales development and, and business development tend to be interchangeable. A lot of people use those titles the same. Um, essentially, it's. Business development and sales development is essentially responsible for building pipeline, creating qualified opportunities. And then from there, they're handing off those opportunities to someone who's going to close the deal. It's kind of like an assembly line where BDRs are responsible for one wing and then the closers are responsible for the rest. And then even further, then when they're done closing it, they hand it off to maybe a a customer success manager and then they're managing like upsells and expansions. In, but in your mind, you are those interchangeable? So if I call them sales development reps or I call them business development reps, yeah, you'll respond to the same. You'll respond the same way. Absolutely. Okay. BDR, awesome. SDR, PR, okay. When I first that, started, we were called lead generation reps. Yeah, so lead that, generation reps. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So okay, awesome. So at some point, I want to talk about making the switch from being a being a sales development rep to managing sales development reps or business development reps, however you want, however you want to say it. But let's let's talk first about the kind of the person that like I want to ask you this question. Mm -hmm. How what's the balance between knowing everything about the product and selling the sizzle over the steak? Like, let's talk about the sales development role, kind of how that how's that fit in the whole sales cycle? And then what what specific characteristics do you think are important in that sales development position? And are those same things that make you a good SDR, make you a good salesperson? I'm dumping a bunch of stuff on you. And then should it be, should that be the site? Like you see the sales development process uh, role really being kind of a training ground for developing people into salespeople and should it? So yeah. let's just, let's just, let's just unpack. Let's unpack all that. Let's talk about you pick one of those that yeah. ping, pinged and we'll go. So first, let's talk about what makes up a really good BDR. I think a really good BDR is just naturally curious. They want to know everything that's going on in an account. Uh, they have that grit and resilience, meaning that 
they're going to get people who tell them to get lost or they're not interested and they have to keep going. They have to not let that hold them back because they have to understand that it only takes a small percentage of people to say yes, to be successful as a BDR. And then they have to be able to follow a plan. So they have to be structured, stretch, schedule their day specifically on what they want to do in a you know, very structured way. From 9 to 10, I'm doing my research. From 10 to 11, I'm making calls. From 11 to 12, I'm sending emails. Very structured. Uh, and then um, also, they just have to be optimistic as well. I think that they have to understand that, you know, things will always get better. And they have to not feel pessimistic thinking that, you know, this job sucks and there's no way I can be successful. You can have success in, in a BDR role. So those are some of the main things that I look for, as well as I definitely look for that confidence and enthusiasm. They, you know, they have to they have to convey that over the phone when they're talking to prospects. Because, you know, uh, one of my friends, Morgan Ingham, said that that's just sales is like the transfer of, of enthusiasm. And I really believe in that. Yeah. So definitely, you know, share that why you're enthused about a product or about a solution to help an organization uh, with a problem or pain. Yeah. And so. Yeah, when we, you go, we, uh... So when you make that transition from BDR to BDR leader, so now you have to, like, reset now. you you definitely understand what makes a good BDR, but it doesn't necessarily mean that makes a good leader. A good leader really has to be one, you know, a really good coach. So they have to understand the weaknesses uh, of a BDR, what's going to make them successful and how to coach them. And they have to really have a solid coaching framework. I've worked with a lot of BDR managers who they would do their normal one-on-ones every week. They would talk about KPIs. They would talk about, career progression, and then in a little sliver of time, they would maybe add on 10 minutes for coaching. But what I had suggested they do is that instead of doing that every week, I suggested that they dedicate an entire 30 to 45 minutes on nothing but coaching. They spend 30 to 40 minutes on whatever that is. If it's a weakness that I've identified with the BDR or if the BDR has self-identified a weakness, cover that one subject per, per week. Uh, and then the very next week, have the BDR demonstrate what they learned in that coaching session because they have to get better at what they're doing. So you have to be a great coach. That's like one of the main things, a trainer. You have to really get good at marketing and uh, leveraging the tools in place. Like, for example, you have to know how to write a sequence and you know, have to know how to edit a sequence or a cadence using outreach or, or sales law. There's so many other things you have to do. Like you have to be you have to be able to leverage the business partners within the organization. So you're working with marketing, you're working with sales enablement, you're working with the AEs and their managers who close deals. So you have to be able to partner with all these people because they all work interchangeably. They all work together uh, for one goal, and that's to get closed deals. So there's several other things that a BDR manager has to do. In fact, that was the whole purpose of me writing the book. Now that's how you lead SDR teams is because you know, I've, I've identified like 16 different things that you have to do as a BDR manager outside of the coaching and the working with other partners and training people. There's just so many things that you have to do. Now, do you think so? So do you feel like the SDR training ground, which I'm going to call it, should be the springboard to get into a sales role? Or do you feel like do you feel or do you what, what are your thoughts on that? Because it's typically used. <laughs> as a, an onboarding process, right? We, we hire, we're going to hire some SDRs. We're going to pick them out. We're going to move them into AEs. 
What do you think about that? It's funny because when I first started as a BDR, that wasn't the situation where the majority of BDRs that were working that I worked with were either former AEs who were just, you know, tired of carrying the bag and tired of doing that role and they became BDRs or they were just new to sales and they wanted to try their their hand at sales without necessarily closing deals. But now I think SaaS organizations have kind of made that kind of an apprenticeship for the sales role so that in order to get an AE job at a SaaS organization, you first have to be a BDR and you have to learn about the product kind of because you're you're like it's really surface level stuff but you also have to learn about you know buyer personas and you know what's the difference between all the buyer personas that you sell to and then you have to truly understand how to create interest how to book a meeting how to follow your pipeline so there's some things that you do in a BDR role that are like sales motions, but there's also some marketing motions in there as well. So it doesn't necessarily 100% prepare you for a closing role. I think once you establish yourself as a BDR, you can do like, you can be a fantastic BDR. You can hit 100% or more of quota. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a great AE, but it does prepare you for some basic things. Like if you're going to continue to be prospecting, if you're going to be reaching out to the same personas as an AE, if you're like getting an understanding of the basics of the products and services that you sell, then that kind of prepares you for it. But then there's those other things that you still have to learn. Like you have to learn how to negotiate. You have to learn how to work with multiple stakeholders. You have to learn how to work with your internal team to get a deal done. Uh, you have to learn how to execute a demo and execute a, a discovery call. So there's a lot of things that you do as an AE that you don't do as a BDR, which is why I say it doesn't necessarily predict that you'll be a good AE. That you'll be a good AE. Well, you know, I find that, you know, a lot of this, so a lot of the skills that make you a good, for example, if you're familiar with most personality profiles, so whether you're looking at like a predictive index or a disc, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, you got the four quadrants and compliance, actually, if you're high in compliance, can make you a really efficient SDR. Because you're just, follow, you can follow the rules. You come up with a plan. You know, I call it like hitting balls, right? If you're a golfer, you're, you come up with a plan, you go out and you just are, you're hitting balls and you're, you're perfecting it. Well, that makes you a really good SDR. It could make you a really bad salesperson if you can't deal with the friction because sales cycle, the sale is full of complications. And like, if there's, I always say, if there's no heat, there's no deal. Like, have you ever closed a deal that didn't have a little, like little something on it? You know, like if you're involved in the sales cycle, you know, there's yeah. a little, there's something on a deal that closes. If they go through all the stages and there's no pushback, no friction, no, there's no indication that there's any like heat on the deal. It's not going down. That's a deal. Yeah. That's not, that's a deal. that's not going down. So when the sales yeah. guy says, Hey, they've gone through all the processes and they're going to sign. And you're like, man, they're moving. Well. And I, every once in a while I got, <laughs> I got one that our sales guy closed like really quick and there was no friction. It was a really big deal. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, this is not going to close because it was it's a big count. And usually when they come in really fast and they're like they come in and they want to they're like, hey, we're ready to move. Ready to move. They never close. Yeah. And so comes in, skips all the stages, no friction. It closes. And I'm like, all right, you got one. But we've been doing this for a long time. And that's like one of a that's like one of hundreds, you know, so there's got to. So the point is, you know, 
an SDR can be a real a personality that could be really good in the SDR role is one that has a high compliance and can follow the steps and the rules, super mm-hmm. organized. But if you put that person in a sales role, there could be a lot of um, there could be a challenge in closing because they can't deal with they can't deal with the intensity of a, yeah. of a sale. Exactly. So, yeah, I um, think if they if they are able to establish that they can follow a process. And so they go through the whole training of becoming an AE from an SDR, BDR role. There's a better chance of them being good AEs if they can follow that process. They can learn from the experience of the AEs already on the team or the managers on the team, and they can follow that process. So let me ask you this. You made a real, you, so fair to say you've had a long career holding, like being an SDR, correct? Yes, correct. Okay. And then you make the transition into, into management. Mm-hmm. What what's the like do you, ha, when they talk about SDR? Or let me back up. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the SaaS guys really turning this into a training ground for executives, and I'm laughing because I think the SaaS SaaS as a as a marketplace has really done a lot of damage um, to sales reps. They've taken them, you know. For example, you get a sales rep and they go through Sandler, and then you get them on the phone, they're just like jerks, and you're just like, what, like asking questions they know the answer to and they're just antagonized. Like it's like blood sport. Like if I get in a Sandler, I've mentioned this on the podcast a bunch of times. If I get into a Sandler sales funnel, like if I feel it coming on me, then I'll freak out. Like I, I just like start shutting the phone call down. My hands go up, my feet go, I start like fighting it. I hate the Sandler sales funnel. Like when I feel like I'm going in the paid funnel, like guys, I don't know want to go in the paid funnel. We and that's do this probably because you're you're used to it because you're you know you're a sales person, where as opposed to someone who may not be you know coming up from a sales role, they may not even recognize that they're in a. Sandwich. They don't know what's happening. Yeah, right. I know what's happening, and especially if the so the point of this story is, hey, the, um, SaaS as a space has taken people. They've run them through significant training programs like Sandler. They put them on the phones. And they've antagonized buyers under three circumstances. Young young people asking questions um, that they don't have context around, which I think as a buyer is just generally insulting. Um, and there's been a lot of damage done, I think, to brands and to by not training people appropriately or not getting the right people in the in in the because like you can't you mentioned curiosity. Yeah. I think that's super important as an SDR. Yes. And as a salesperson. And I don't know that you can teach it. Like that's true. I, I, I would argue, like, listen, if we go to a, if if we go somewhere and in 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 like, I don't know that that's something you can teach. I don't think you can teach curiosity. I think that's something somebody either has, and I and you say something, and I keep poking you, or I don't have it. I don't. I, don't, I mean, we might have. I would love to have an, a counter argument to that, but I, I feel like that's you either curious or you're not curious. I I, I don't know how to get around that. You can teach someone how to be more investigative, but not necessarily curious. They're just doing it because they've been taught how to be more investigative. But if they're not naturally curious, there's some things that might not, you know, come out. Well, and I think curiosity is a combination of two traits. I think it's interest and empathy. Mm-hmm. So you have to be interested and then you have to be empathetic. And those two things make up curiosity. I don't think curiosity by itself is a blended it's two characteristics. My my observation is two characteristics combined. Yeah. Um, so okay. So you made the you made the transition. What? Do, how do you? When you think about the role of sales development, do you feel like the sales development rep 
uh, job role. Is it something people should aspire to be like, I'm going to say like, it, it probably doesn't get the respect it deserves. Mm-hmm. But yeah. what do you think of, yeah, talk about that. Like there, there was a time where it was totally fine to be a career SDR, career BDR, but now folks kind of push you to get out of that BDR, SDR role because they see it as an apprenticeship. They expect those folks to most likely move into an AE role. I would say maybe 70, 75% of those folks should move into an AE role within 18 months. Otherwise, they need to be doing something else. So I found that when BDR start an organization, they're already looking at the grass on the other side where they're looking at becoming an AE or doing something else like becoming a marketer or being in customer success or something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, now, is so So, how do we change? Uh, so I'm going to say some contradicting things. Okay. So I'm going to say, I'm going to talk out both sides of my mouth. At some level, I do think that the S, I would agree. I do think the SDR role is a good place to get started. Mm-hmm. Like I think it, you, there's some skills you're going to learn, right? You're going to learn how to be organized. You're going to learn how to think. You're going to learn how to interact with people. You know, it's a it's a great place to start if you want to be in sales. On the flip side, if you decide like, hey, I'm just really good at this and I'm going to do this the rest of my life, there's not really a compens- there's not really a structured environment for you to stay there. I think there and I think the question becomes you know, what what's the like, how should it look? I mean, obviously there's going to be exceptions, right? But mm-hmm. do we want people on the phones that have been on the phones for 20 years? Mm-hmm. Or do we, like, what's, like, how should people think about the SDR role? Like, I'm in my career. I'm, I love this. I want to be an SDR. Should yeah. I, you know, what, like, should I stay here? Should I go? Should I move? I know I'm throwing a lot at you. Well, no, so you, so you just grab, you just grab, latch on to whatever. You know, having been a, an, a career SDR for 13 years, I think that there should be a space for people who are comfortable in the SDR role and they don't want to do anything else. They love it. Uh, and I think the way that you create that space is one, you create micro promotions. So you can go from SDR one to two, three, and four. And every micro promotion, you get a raise in, in compensation, right? And then is this in the book? Is this in the book? It's not, the, it's, my, not okay. in, it's not in the book, but yeah. But yeah, that's just something that I've okay. seen at, at organizations that I work for. Those micro promotions help a lot. And then also you have to look at compensation as well. So you have to not treat that role as an entry level position with comp being entry level. You have to start realizing how valuable is it for my BDRs and SDRs to create pipeline and qualified opportunities for my AEs long term. Because the last time that I was a, a BDR or SDR, I, I had a six-figure OTE. So I was super comfortable in that role, just earning six figures and you know being happy and not worrying about closing deals. But that's not always the situation. Usually, now, did, they, they, they want to be promoted or they want to get more money, they have to move to an AE role. Yeah. Well, look, it's, I think, I mean, I would argue that, you know, in a lot, it's a super important role. I mean, and I think it's a role that's hard to get people that want to stay in the role. Yeah. You know, typically just, you know, not only is there pressure for you to move up so you get advancement, phone prospecting can be uh, very taxing on uh, on people. And, mm-hmm. you know, to find somebody that wants to be in that role, um, if you're successful, I think you should be compensated appropriately because it is a hard job. Yeah. Now, what was the process for you to make the transfer? So 
what happens for you to say, okay, I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to start thinking about making a shift from doing to managing. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of things. And I did talk about this in the book and that as I was fueled by two things to move from BDR to manager. One was ageism. So I was, I was a 50 year old BDR working in a, in a room full of 20 somethings, blasting hip hop over the loudspeaker. <laughs> and I just felt out of place. Like I don't belong here. I'm in the same job as these folks. And my manager is like half my age. It's like, like, I can eat job, right? Yeah. So one BDR had reached out to me and said, hey, you know what? Dude, how old are you? Like, and that just like, okay, I get it now. I'm, I'm too old for this role. So that was the first thing. The second thing is that I had written a book called Brain Dump uh, while I was a, an SDR. And when I took a position as an SDR, a new SDR role at age 50, some of the folks on my team had looked me up on LinkedIn. They found that I wrote the book. They got my book. And then they started asking me to coach them and help them on the day to day. So I was like, hmm, maybe there's something there. Maybe I should be coaching BDRs as opposed to as opposed to just being a BDR. I would love to hear the the water cooler. They're like, hey, he's got a book. You have right. you guys read his book? Right. <laughs> it's like some really good stuff in this book given all these impromptu coaching sessions during lunch and things like that. And so uh, just an opportunity had arisen where one of my old bosses had had a friend who was working for a startup as a VP of sales, and he needed someone to come in as a player coach and eventually just move into a coaching role, a pure BDR manager role. So I took that position and, you know, I've been in management ever since. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. As always, uh, if you want more information on the podcast, go to monsterconnect.com forward slash podcast. Uh, you can get last season's, uh, last year's episodes. You can get all the new episodes for this year. And as always, remember, don't let what you can't do interfere with what you can. Until next time.